marriage is in danger. If you go by how you feel, there's a lot that's in danger. So I want to try to work from a plumb line here this morning that we've spoken of over the years that truth is based on the Word of God and not how I feel. If you hear the preaching of the Word of God and it doesn't make you feel good, it's not God's problem, it's yours. So according to the word, homosexual marriage is a, or I should say, homosexual uh, getting together is a sin. Can you say amen? amen? But how many of us know in the church, we gave the homosexual agenda its power by not addressing all the heterosexual sin in the church. So it's not them out there, it's us in here. Okay, I lost about 50% of you. So when we preach the truth of God's word and it's not PC, it, no, it, it, it's not popular, people don't like it, we're not preaching the word of God hoping people like it. We're not holding church services trying to make people feel comfortable. Because now we've made services so comfortable for people that now God's not comfortable. So when you're around the true preaching of God's word, as Paul encouraged Timothy to preach the word, he said to preach the word, and this is what the word is for. It's to correct, it's to rebuke, and it's to encourage. How many of you read the Bible during the week? It's okay if you don't. We're going to help get you there. But how many times when we open up the word, we're just like, I'm looking for something that makes me feel good. I'm having an issue, a problem. I'm just looking for some realm of comfort in a feeling realm where what if we began to open up the word and say, Lord, I'm, I want you to encourage me, but I'm looking for correction. I'm looking for rebuke because you love me. Because you love me. Jesus, he looked at the rich young ruler, and the Bible says he looked at him with love and said, go and sell all that you have. If you want to follow me, this is the price, this is the cost. Was Jesus a hater? Was he a bigot? Did he need an encounter with the Father's love? Did he need to sit under some more grace teaching because that was too hard? Hello. He looked at him with love. So when we read the word of God personally, when we hear it preached corporately, and it doesn't make you feel good, when you feel the correction, when you feel like, I always have felt like when I hear preaching, I'm like at the chiropractor. Lord, pop anything back into alignment that's out of alignment. Because a lot of you, we're having collisions in our marriages. We're having collisions in the workplace. We have been commissioned to be light in a dark world, and there's a high possibility that if you're listening to the culture's music, if you're watching the culture's television, if you work a secular job, if you're just out in the world, surely we could be humble to admit there's got to be something that God wants to adjust, He wants to speak to, not because He's angry at me, but because He loves me. So look at your neighbor and just say, God loves you. All right, we're dropping a plumb line here. He loves us enough not to leave us the way he found us. He loves us enough not to look the other way. God's love is not blind. He sees all our junk and still chooses love. All right, will you grab the hand of the person next to you? At the end of the service, <clears throat> I'm going to welcome up all our returning and our new Maranatha School of Ministry students. 
Uh, we do have orientation tonight, and school starts tomorrow. Um, our building over on the other side, the renovations, everything, the chapel is finally complete. And um, we want to thank each and every one of you who have sowed in your time, your finances. Uh, really excited about the class that's returning, the in-class uh, of new students. We've got married couples, single folks, people that have moved from all over the United States, people here from Central Florida. I want to recognize our Maranatha faculty real quick. Would you stand if you're a faculty member at Maranatha? We've got Barry, we've got Sarah, we've got uh, Brother Ravenhill. Um, these are our new campus pastors, Derek and Ginger Kirkman. They've just moved here to help out with student life and things. Just really excited about what God is about to do here. And starting next month, uh, one Sunday night a month, um, we will be, or I will be, facilitating an all-student-led chapel that's open up to the public. Um, if you don't want to move of God, just don't come. Um, but when you walk over there, uh, you're going to step into another realm. It's what church leaders should have been doing all along. It's called training, equipping, and getting out of the way. It's called fathering. Okay, so we're going to give our students an opportunity to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to preach the word, to lay hands on the sick, to be mentored. Um, there's a new era that's dawning in the body of Christ, right? And the end of man worship is coming. You and I showing up to a meeting because our favorite preacher is preaching is over. You and I showing up to a meeting because God is there is coming. It's quiet in here. So that'll be September 8th. You want to go ahead and write that down the first Sunday night and on September 8th <clears throat> is our nine-year church anniversary <clears throat> September 8th our nine-year church anniversary we're gonna have a big celebration <clears throat> and you might want to get here early because our Winter Haven campus is coming to join us so we're gonna need some more chairs a lot of chairs but the Winter Haven campus is going to come over on September 8th. Got some special announcements. We've got just a time of celebration. God is working. Amen. It's just honestly, it's just been a blessing to be a part of this fellowship over the years. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for every person that's in this room that's not here by mistake or coincidence. Lord, we thank you for all the seed that you have sown in us over the years. And God, we ask that the seed that you have sown, Lord, let rain come today. Lord, let fallow ground be broken up in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that your word would go down deep, that it would get inside of our minds and our hearts. Lord, we pray like Jeremiah that your word would become like a fire shut up in our bones. Lord, we pray for faithful witnesses of the gospel. Lord, I pray for unashamed messengers, Lord, that would preach the word of God with boldness and power, that there'd be signs, wonders, and miracles that would mark the preaching of the true word of God. Lord, I pray that you would expose a watered-down gospel. Lord, if we're not hearing the real word preached Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would bring us into alignment with your word today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said. If you have in your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Hebrews? The book of Hebrews. I just bought me a uh, millennial Bible, so Hebrews is next to Second Opinions. I'm just kidding. 
I'm telling you, the new school is called old school. I want to bless a generation of mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandpas that are wondering what in the world is going on in the church. Where has the true preaching of God's Word gone? Well, we don't want to offend anybody. Well, listen, if no one's being offended, then the real gospel isn't being preached. How we doing? Hebrews chapter 4, going to begin reading in verse 2. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. One more time. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word of the Lord, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. The writer of the book of Hebrews here specifically is talking to Jews who have in their mind an understanding of the context of this passage, the good news that was preached to them was freedom from bondage in Egypt into the promised land. So I want to help you to understand what is the writers of the Hebrews talking about. He's saying you had the good news, you had a prophetic word. How many of you have ever received a prophetic word? How many of you have ever just read the Bible and felt like something jumped off the page and it was a promise from God? He's like, write that down. Grab hold of it, if you will. There's something in there that God wants to speak. So the writer of the Hebrews is saying, we had the good news preached just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them. Well, brother, I go to church. I even go to Heart of the Father, where they kind of preach hard stuff. You know, because just as there's danger in seeker-friendly churches that aren't preaching truth, do you know there's a lot of danger as well in cultures that preach truth? Because we just make it about, if I can just endure the fire that Barry has for the word, somehow I'll catch the fire. Well, I'm good with God because I heard a convicting message this week. But did those convictions become part of your walk that week? says the word of God, the spoken word of God, the prophetic. But brother, I've got a word. And I'm just waiting on that baby to come to pass. The prophet said that I would have a destiny and a ministry. I mean, can you imagine being David? I mean, guys, Samuel arrived and he told me, he anointed me king over Israel. And you're just high-fiving your buddies and, oh, man, that guy, he's so anointed. I got called out. I mean, praise God. And then all of a sudden, some years go by, and you're, like, thinking, wow, the prophet, he really didn't, like, give the full details. Like, he didn't mention this demonized leader named Saul. Like, David went to Bible college, all right. He went to the seminary of Saul. Oh, we want to be a David in our generation? You better start getting connected to a demonized leader. It's quiet in here. 
I mean, I got the word of the Lord. I was at the altar at 12 at youth camp, and the guest evangelist revealed my calling, and now I'm 38 wondering what happened. I've been in church my entire life, faithfully Sunday after Wednesday. If I told the truth, my marriage and my family is really somewhat of a wreck. But I heard the word. I listened to YouTube. I mean, I listened to Todd White. I listened to Bethel on my podcast. I mean, I'm just surrounded and I just love to hear, 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 hear. But I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong, I'm not, that the Bible says not just to be a hearer of the word, but what? I can't hear anybody. And being a doer of the word is more than Sunday morning church attendance. But I went to church. Like I, I did the God thing. And now I'm going to get back to my life. And we'll just pick up where it, we left off. Or maybe you're a charismatic revival junkie. Where we don't need church. Because I've got a prophetic conference I go to, and then the next revival blows through this town, and I just jump from charismatic experience to experience, just hoping I can fall down in an altar again, hoping I can sow my last 10 bucks that I don't have again. I'm just, am I talking to anybody today? It did not profit them, meaning... You can sit under the true legitimate preaching of God's word. You can literally get an accurate, authentic, prophetic word from God. And whether it profits you or not, it benefits you, has nothing to do with that person, has nothing to do with God, it has everything to do with you. Now, there's this curse word in the church right now. It's called responsibility. Now, some of our older folks, you're familiar with this word, responsibility. Let me give you another phrase for it, growing up. So when we grow up, we have to take responsibility for our actions. We have to be quick to admit when we're wrong. That would help someone's marriage. It's not all their fault. I'm not a victim. Woe is me. No, I want to take responsibility. So, but if we take responsibility for our actions as the people of God, well, brother, I'm just, I don't go to church anymore because you know, the pastor had an affair with whoever. Well, well, I'm not really on fire for the Lord because the American church is going to hell in a handbasket. And they're just a bunch of money hungry. Now, what if it was our responsibility what if it was our privilege what if it was our joy and our delight to have a life in God and regardless of who fell or not regardless of whether the church did it right or not I'm undeterred I'm undistracted, I'm committed, I'm all in because I'm following Jesus and not a church or a man. So even that I sat under some guy who preached false doctrine, I'm responsibility, I'm responsible myself to be a good, what the scripture calls a Berean. 
Listen, Paul walked up in a city, the great apostle Paul. Now, he's not like apostles these days who have entourages and need a Cadillac and got to have the first-class plane ticket and all that stuff because you better know who they are and you better honor them. He walks up into Berea. He preaches them the word of God. And they just don't stand up and clap and say, Preach it, apostle. Take up seven offerings and knight people into their network. These guys go home and they actually get out the word and they test whether what he's saying lines up with the Word of God. Why is there so much false doctrine in the church? I'm telling you, it's not because of the preachers. It's because the people don't bring their Bibles. No one is going home taking copious notes of whatever revelation or whatever dream or whatever vision. No, we, oh, they've got a big platform. They're a best-selling author. They've got 5,000 billion likes on Facebook. They've got 20 billion followers. So I'm just going to swallow hook, line, and sinker everything the anointed man or woman. I mean, Paul... Writer of the New I mean, Revelation, Raise the Dead. You do that to some of our modern-day apostles, they'd be accusing you of betrayal. They become like the mafia. They put a hit out on you. They mark you, beware of these people who dared to question, touch not the Lord's anointed, a.k.a. I refuse to be accountable to anyone. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to stir us up today that we have got to find a life in God for ourselves. Well, the service was terrible that Sunday. Great! Go have a service at your house that puts that one to shame. Well, they cut the spirit off. The worship was only 49 minutes. Can I just say this in love? Listen, if you're a worshiper, 19 minutes, 49 minutes, 3 hours and 4, nothing is ever going to be long enough to meet the craving in your heart. And rather than accuse and say they're not doing that, get in the mirror and say, what am I doing? It's amazing in our culture. The church, the church, the church. But what are you doing? Now again, just to throw this out there, I don't have any hate mail. I'm not preaching at somebody. I don't know of a coup going on here. People are upset with me. I'm not preaching subliminally. I'm, I'm just saying, folks, we've got a massive issue in the American church. And we've got our guns pulled out. We've got people, they don't even want to, guns pulled out in terms of, I should qualify that. Guns pulled out and they're upset, taking aim at the church and its leaders. Parents, the kids' church pastor, the youth pastor, they are not responsible to disciple your children. Well, I raised them in the church. I don't know what happened. I do. Like, we, we don't have to just be swept up in this end time apostasy and just float down the river of the loss of the word of God and here comes America. We're number one in sex slave trade in the world now. 
We're number one in abortion. I don't know if you heard the latest. I mean, we're number one. We don't have to float down this river. Actually, you and I, we can find a great church. And I pray that this is where the Lord has placed you. But more than just attending a great church, how about we take authority in our home? So I'm telling you, when we stand before the Lord, oh, the preacher didn't do this, and my mom and dad didn't do that. Well, listen, let me preach to you the gospel of the new covenant. They shall all know me from the least to the greatest. The precious blood of Jesus has given you and I unlimited, unhindered access to the throne of God. And the only one that's truly responsible for your spiritual growth is you. So if you're not on fire for Jesus Christ, it's not because the church you attend isn't. It's because your personal life in God isn't. We have got to stop blaming preachers and churches and denominations for why we are not in alignment with God. I mean, I, I love teaching. I, I love preaching. I, I think that we, we always need the word. I was just recently with a, a brother from India. And I just asked him, you know, what do you think is the difference between what you all do in India? He's planted 7,000 churches. Like, what's the difference between the gospel over there and the gospel over here? He said that's real simple. Over there, they hear and do. You know, it says in the book of Acts that the Athenians were those who always wanted something new. They wanted something fresh. I need a new word from God. Have you been faithful with the last one? I don't believe in the 365-day Bible a year. I'm just going to map out every year, and I'm just going to blow through and make sure that I've read the Bible. Well, what happens if on June 21st, you get locked up in John 4, and the Holy Spirit says, read John 4 for the rest of the year? What if we just camped out and digested and ate the word of God and said, it's okay if the preaching's lame. It's okay if the worship is unanointed. No one's going to steal my life in God. But I'm telling you, this responsibility thing, to me, this is the apostolic gospel. And what I mean by apostolic is the heart of the apostolic gospel is rather than babysit saints and coddle them, it calls them higher and says, I'm here to present every man mature in Christ. And I'm going to do whatever that I've got to do to help you grow in Christ, even if there's hard messages that you've got. I'm just thankful for people in my life, my wife and I's life, who have loved us enough to offend us. I meet with a bunch of young guys constantly telling me their dreams and plans. One of my first questions, have you ran that by anybody? And they look at me like, why would I do that? Because maybe there's a father, maybe there's an older man that could help you identify what's God and what's just a delusion of grandeur. I'm telling you, I, I just think we're full of this. I've, I've heard the word preached, I've got a prophetic word. And I believe God is after a people where the word of the Lord is going to prevail and increase with great measure. The church in the book of Acts in the New Testament, I'm going to read you just a few quick scriptures. 
when the word of God was preached, it prevailed. What does that mean? It was preached. It took root in the hearts. They partnered with it. They reached out in faith. They gave toward it. They left church and said, let's get to work, baby. I'm ready for Monday. And they poured out and they poured out and then they came back and they got filled. It wasn't this spiritual, lethargic obesity where I just, I want, I want, gimme, gimme, gimme. I got to get a word. No, you go get a word. Well, pastor, my cat's in the tree. Can you come? Pastor, Johnny's in the hospital. Can you come? Pastor, I need to lose weight. Can you write me up a plan? Pastor? No, pastor's not available. Now it's time for you to do the works of the kingdom. It's time to rip the feeding tube. Like develop a life of God for ourselves. When I was at Southeastern University attending school there, God was working on me. He was challenging me. He was testing me. You know, it's interesting sometimes when God comes to us, for me, he has challenged even what I believed. So he said to me one day, do you really believe that my word is alive and active? And I said, again, hear my answer. I've heard it preached that it is. Like my dad pastored, I mean, yeah, the preachers say your word. But he said, do you believe that my word has power? Regardless of what you feel, regardless of the results, do you believe that my word has power, period? I said, yes, Lord. He said, good, I want you to go to Lake Hollingsworth. It was St. Patrick's Day. It was 1230 at night. The Lord said, I want you to go sit on the dock and bring your Bible. I'll meet you there. I've just learned if you want to grow up in God, listen and obey. Stop all the shenanigans, all the fleeces. I need it a second time. Can you come around again? Mature people in God do not need a prophetic word for every decision. It's not spiritual that you have to pray where you're going to eat lunch today. Stop the foolishness. Eat food. We need to pray about getting pregnant. The Bible says be fruitful and multiply. And some of you just laughed. Like, no, no, no. I don't agree with that one. Okay. Brandon's available after service. David's here. Barry has seven. Don't talk to him. I mean, if you're just... I was always afraid that he was going to lay hands on us. Like, Just listen and obey. Take God's word, his voice, and get to work. The Lord said, so that's good enough. No, we need the plan. We need the strategy. We need the future. Did God say? Because we have to have a generation rise that God said it, and that's good enough for me. There's no negotiation. There's no struggle. Did he tell you to marry him or her or not? So that in the hour of crisis and struggle, I'm not leaning on how I feel. I'm wrapped around a covenant. Like bold faith, perseverance, endurance. Is anybody awake in here? I mean, I, I watched 70,000 people last night lose their ever-living mind over 22 guys throwing a pigskin around. How much more? Like, I hate the event in Lakeland, red, white, and kaboom. You know the fireworks show here? We're like thousands and thousands and thousands of Lakelanders go to watch a fireworks show. And in that same place, the day of prayer, there's like 200 maybe. 
But if there's anything we can get excited about, listen, that game last night, it was back and forth. You didn't know who was going to win, who wasn't. Listen, Jesus Christ, the King of glory, has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And his words are sure. They're yes and amen. They're unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves you, period. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Paul said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not the present, the future, height nor depth, angel nor demon. What would our lives look like if we never doubted again that God loves us? So I had this dream this past night where I saw a gathering of Kenneth Hagin, Lester Summerall, Norvell Hayes, all of these great faith preachers that preach the word of God. The Lord began to speak to me, and he said, Jeremiah, I'm about to raise up once again a mentally strong people in the earth. Satan has attacked. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. He has attacked minds and emotions in order to redirect people's wills. You got the word of the Lord. You can stand on his promises, but you better believe it comes with a process. David, king over Israel, he probably woke up the next day and said, I'm anointed. But you know what? He wasn't appointed. It took 13 years from the time he was anointed to that time he was appointed. But in the time, there's a testing. There's a process. And we need a generation when testing comes, when adversity comes knocking at your door, when your marriage starts shaking, when you don't have any money, when you thought you heard God and you think you might have missed it. Is there a generation of people? Is there anyone in this room that's willing to stand upon the word of God and say I will make it through this process I will get through that Red Sea I'm going to make it through the wilderness speak the word of God over your life speak the word of God over your life it has power power Resurrection power. The Greek says it has energy. So don't mind me getting a little fired up. This isn't just some old crusty manuscript. That the gospel of humanism, that moral relativism is preaching. This is the most powerful. And let me tell you something. There's a man who lives between the lines of scripture. His name is Jesus Christ. You don't have to divorce the word from experience. You don't have to divorce hanging out with Jesus and soaking from reading God's word. Seven years ago, I was up in Edmonton, Canada. A massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I kid you not, the worship was three hours and 45 minutes. I was probably on the floor for three of them. I mean, the glory, this wasn't like people fell down. I mean, it it was just, it was unreal. And at the end of the time, I'm like, well, praise God, we can go home. And the Lord said, I don't think so. He said, I have allowed a generation to taste of my glory, now cut them with my word. I said, Lord, what is this about? He said, it's called circumcision. Oh, hallelujah. This is more than just being blessed 
by his presence and his glory. This is about being changed from the inside out. And the only way that you get free from stop sinning is hiding the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. Well, I'm stuck in pornography. What? Oh, I just got I got to go. I'm stuck in sin. I'm stuck in get the word of God down inside of you. Parents, this is our only hope. What are we going to do? We're sending our kids to school. They're they're constantly being desensitized. They're being polluted by ideologies. Demons and principalities. Someone can be possessed by a demon. But do you know that the demonic realm also attaches itself to thoughts and ideologies? So there are demonic forces at work in America infiltrating the school systems. And while my child's not possessed, no, but they're sitting under teaching that is. Oh, well, there's no demon possession here. Yeah, but the television, but the movies, but the music you listen to is filling your mind and your heart. It's opening up doors to the demonic realm. And the only way to shut that junk off is get in the Word. Preach the Word. Grab a hold of the Word. Eat the Word. Well, brother, it's just not relevant. I'm telling you, in our attempts to be relevant in the American church, we've become disobedient. Paul said, have I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? So I wander out on the dock, St. Patrick's Day. I don't know, I was 19. There's no one there. It was weird. If you've been to Hollingsworth, there's usually a lot of people out there. I know it was late. I didn't see anybody. I sat down on the dock. I had my Bible. I literally just opened it up, and it was Hebrews 4. In your Bibles, we're at Hebrews 3. If you read over just about 10 verses, this is what my eyes fell upon. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two double-edged swords. It penetrates, it divides, it cuts, it separates. And I kid you not, all of a sudden, a woman out of nowhere sat down right next to me on that dock and about scared the Bible out of me. (laughs) Saints, have you ever faced someone dying of cancer? I don't know what's jumped up in your face and challenged the word of God in you. Because Jesus said in the parable of the sowers that there would be seed that would be sown, but that sown that, that seed could be taken out. What am I saying? I'm saying you could sit under good seed being preached. And it does not mean that seed will get down deep if we don't partner and protect. Paul told Timothy to guard the deposit that I have or that God has placed inside of you. Lord, I want to guard. I want to be a faithful steward. Have you ever seen a pregnant woman? Her surroundings totally change to that baby in the belly. It's not going to be kicked. It's not going to be touched. What if we got jealous with a holy jealousy of God? What if we began to look at our life not as a right but as a privilege? What if we began to say, Lord, make me a good steward of your word? And when the circumstances of life come to challenge your word in me, God, let me rise up in faith. Just opened up that Bible. I looked at her. Her eyes were just spinning. Long black hair. I just looked at her and I said, 
the word of God. Listen, I, I, I know I can yell and scream. I did honestly nothing charismatic. I just read it very monotone. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-double-edged sword. She vomited so far, I've never seen anybody vomit that far before in my life. Black, nasty. I literally held this woman's hair up over a dock while she vomited up demons. Somebody lay hands on you? Did you get some Wigglesworth anointing? No, God spoke to me. I obeyed, and fruit came. Like, this is all free. You don't have to pay for it. There's no seminar fee. Listen, obey, fruit. I just hope some of you are relieved. Like, you don't need a new word. Work on the one you already got. You don't have to be religious and say, I read the whole Bible this year. If God tells you to do that, go for it. But if he told you to read one chapter for 365 days, do it. It's powerful. The word of God is powerful. It's active. It's alive. It's sharp. Eat it. Eat it like a scroll. Let it be like honey to your lips. Let it be like a great defense. No, let it be your offense. I don't know how you do it. I, when I was really in a season and I'm, I read the Bible for hours every, every week or every day, but I used to carry around note cards before I was married, my car, in my car, everywhere, scripture, scripture, scripture. In my room at night, scripture, scripture, scripture. My parents' divorce, my mom's mental illness, one of the most difficult things I ever went through. This might be totally sacrilegious. I literally at night would cry myself to sleep. And I would grab hold of the word of God. I would memorize passages of scripture, rip them out of my Bible, put them under my pillow, and go to sleep. I mean, it, it's, it's got to become the, the oxygen. Like the life source the fuel of the church, if we lose the word of God in this generation, and again, I'm just not talking about it being preached. Yes, God is going to doubly judge the teachers of the word, but you too will have to stand at his judgment seat. Was I a faithful steward of his word? sister comes up she's in need well brother I gotta go pray for it I gotta go pray about this sister in need is there anybody out there that's just willing to drop 20 bucks and you never even thought about it because you know a couple of scriptures saints I'm telling you in the charismatic there's stuff we need to pray about all the time and our prayer is just an excuse or a smoke screen for our disobedience I don't know about you, but I'm all in. You, you probably tell. I'm ready to go down swinging. I'm ready to be martyred. Frank Summerall, welcome today. Lester Summerall's son. Can you believe that? I've, I had a dream this week. Lester Summerall, Kenneth Hagen, and Frank Summerall. I mean, hello. Hello, like if God isn't speaking today, like we're, we're all cuckoo. God will come and confirm his word. Frank, how many hours do you live away from here? How many hours do you live away? Twelve hours. 
I'm just telling you, when God's word gets inside of you and it begins to prevail and it begins to increase and you will not take no for an answer. We need some tenacity. We need some perseverance. We need some endurance. I'm telling you, God is looking for a people in the earth today that are literally fired up about what the Word of God says. I mean, they are Jesus freaks, oil tossing, tongue talking, demon casting out. Did God say it or not? Do you really believe the word of God or are we just going to attend church our way into either hell or attend our church into a lack of inheriting what God has promised you and I? There is power in the name of Jesus. I just pray that the oil of love sickness would just fall on your time in the word. Just close your eyes for a minute. Lord, I just pray that you'd send rain right now. Rain on dry, mechanical, going through the motions, time in your word. God, we just pray for rain from heaven to fall. God, I'm asking that you would raise up not only lovers of your presence, but lovers of your word. I have a burden for moms in here with kids. God, I pray, Father, I have a burden for fathers. God, that you would give us grace to get your word in our marriages and our children. God, forgive us for exchanging and trading away your presence for far lesser things. God, make your word come alive to us. Let the gospel increase in great measure. God, I'm asking that you would raise up messengers that would have foreheads that would be hard as flint. They would be unrelenting. That they would fear you more than they feared any man. God, we bring before you the compromise of the church. Is there not a standard in the land? God, in a culture that's erasing truth, God, raise up lovers of your truth, plumb line messengers. God, I pray over every mother and father, grandparent and grandma, that maybe is feeling out of place, that maybe they've believed the lie. They don't have anything to offer anymore. God, as long as we have your word, we have the most powerful tool in the whole universe. God, I pray, Father, that Bible studies would erupt again. Not because some famous guy showed up, but because people just loved God. Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I'm afraid that we have loved ministries and men more than you. That we are more loyal to our favorite preachers than Christ himself. God, I pray for real relationship with you today. I thank you that for some in this room, this is the day of salvation. The Lord is calling out to hearts today, saying, I want to be yours. I want you to make me yours. God, I pray for those of us who have maybe grown up in the church, 
We can't remember the last time we cried. We can't remember the last time we got so excited that we just forgot where we were. God, as in the days of Josiah, would you restore your word again to this nation? Would you pray with me? God, as in the days of Josiah, where he rediscovered the word of God, let the word of God be rediscovered. Trying to, more than trying to make it through our quiet times. God, I pray for joy. There's only so much that all of us can do and I just want to encourage you just to be faithful to what God has put in front of you I know we can get lost in the problems and and how overwhelming what's what's happening in our nation don't get discouraged or distracted just be faithful with what God has given you, your marriage, your, if you're not married, prepare yourself. If you have kids, prepare them. Do the best that you can. The only thing I know how to do for me and my heart's cry is to help raise up messengers. I'm just committed to working myself out of a job. I hope one day I can just sit and cheer and clap and yell as God raise up, raises up an army that will infiltrate every sphere of society. I want to tell you, saints, I travel all over this nation. And we are so blessed here. We are so blessed. I look out in this room. There are so many of you you're more equipped, you're more trained than half the preachers I preach for. You've got the word inside of you. You've got destiny. Let's do something with it. God, help us today. Help us today to take the seed, the word that you've put in us, and let it germinate. I want to have all our returning and our new students come down to the altar now. These are our returning Maranatha students and our new ones. These are students that have committed to a two-year journey of being raised up as end-time messengers. Look at them good. What's our prayer for them? What's your prayer for them? I want you to just stretch out your hands to them. God. God. lift up these men and women. We thank you for giving them to us as a gift. And Father, I ask first of all, Lord, in our congregation that we would recognize, Father, the entrustment that you have entrusted these individuals 
to our care. God, I pray right now for divine relationship. God, I pray that the spirit and power of Elijah would fall here. Lord, you told me nine years ago that you would turn fathers to sons and sons to fathers and to call this place heart of the Father. God, I'm asking that young and old could walk together in unity, that there would be a divine fusion. God, we thank you for these messengers. God, I ask that you would protect them from the evil one from the wiles of the devil. We say that he's a liar. He's a deceiver. That your word is true. Regardless of how we feel, Lord, in our moment of weakness, in our lack of faith, no matter where we're at today, God, I pray, Lord, I hear God saying, it's time to renew the covenants. It's time to renew the vows. It's time to make fresh oaths. Bind yourself to my word. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would mark each and every one of these women and men. God, I ask that you would mark this congregation. Lord, the truth is that we're all messengers. We're all carriers of the gospel. Let's just pray in the spirit for about two minutes. If you have a prayer language and you're here today, just begin to pray in the spirit. If you're not, just pray in English. God will fill you. Jesus. God, raise up sharp arrows. God, raise up sharp arrows out of this house that would pierce the darkness. God, raise up sharp arrows out of this house that would penetrate the culture. Lord, it's the truth that sets men free. Just 30 more seconds. Come on, sow some seed here. We're not asking for money. We're asking for prayers. Lord, let the spirit of prophecy fall in this place. Let the sons and daughters prophesy. Let there be dreams. Let there be visions. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit.
Come on, get in the fight. Get in the fight. Feel the burden. Feel the burden. Come on, step into it. Surrender. Just yield to the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They're mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. Come on, the sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Come on, he said in his word. <laughs> 